Today we're talking about gift activating. We're continuing our Hero Maker series. If that doesn't make any sense right now, in 25 minutes time, it will. Behind us on the screen uh, is soon to be a painting of Ecce Homo. Apologies for my awful Spanish accent, uh, which translates as behold the man. And there is Jesus gazing into the sky, looking beautifully pensive and thoughtful. Uh, this painting is uh, on the wall of a church in Borgia in the Zalagosa region of Spain. And I know that accent was really bad. And uh, this is a gorgeous painting from 1930, painted by Elias Garcia Martinez. And um, it's not actually famous for being beautiful. It's famous six years ago, uh, a lovely lady called Cecilia Jimenez, who was on the screen looking disgruntled, decided that this painting, which was falling apart, it was fading away, she thought that she would take it upon herself to restore that masterpiece of Behold the Man. And what follows on the screen behind you is the result of her attempted amateur restoration. So Behold the Man has now become Behold the Monkey, and um, Jesus does not look anything like himself anymore. Uh, that is not, that's probably what I look like at half six this morning, I think. She tried to use her gifts. She tried to make a difference. She tried something. She was very well-intentioned, sweet 83-year-old Cecilia Jimenez, and it didn't work out well for her. Having said that, six years later, after this restoration, the church that this is uh, uh, painting on the wall of in Borgia uh, has 60,000 visitors a year, and they've had enough donations from these visitors that they funded an old people's home, and they're doing homeless outreach in soup kitchens in the city. So her gifts have ended up turning out quite good, despite that horrendous artistic talent that you see there with that Jesus monkey behind us. So today we're talking about gifts. We're talking about actual gifts, not Cecilia Jimenez's awful artistic gifts or my awful artistic gifts. Couldn't find a picture because my parents threw all my childhood artwork in the bin as soon as I gave it to them, age six, straight in the bin. It's not good. So we're talking about the gifts God gives us and how we can bless others with that, how we can call out the gifting in other people, acknowledge what God's put in people and, and talk about what it means to be people that are hero makers, uh, to make disciples of other people, to make leaders of other people, to call out the best in other people. That's what this series is all about. The last few weeks we've looked at uh, building the kingdom together, that is uh, seeing the rule and reign of God made known in, uh, here on earth, and we've looked at multiplication thinking, thinking beyond ourselves, thinking big picture, having dreams, having visions for something. And today we're talking about gift activating, what gifts has God given us, uh, and what gifts can we give to other people and call out on other people. So when you hear the term gift activating, uh, like me, you might have thought of a Starbucks card, uh, you might have thought of an Amazon voucher, uh, but gift activating is about, like I said, using these gifts that God's given you to build others up, and then spotting the gifts in other people, activating those gifts, calling those people out from where they are, not staying content with your own gifts sat here in your quiet little bubble, but saying to people, I see this in you, you can do this, and I have this that I can bring, I can contribute. And we want to bless other people. We want today to be about blessing each other. We're going to have some time later to uh, let God speak to us, to let God affirm things in us. Uh, but we're not talking about God bless you like you've just sneezed. We're talking about God bless you into all the authority and the power and the permission that heaven gives you, that the Holy Spirit empowers you with, the anointing that he gives you. That's the kind of blessing we're talking about today. So let's get ready for that as we lean in today. We're thinking as a church about how we can send each other out, how we can really commission each of us into the gifts that we have, to build this church, to bless the world around us. The gifts that we have, the gifts that are in this room, uh, help us build the kingdom and they help us accomplish those dreams that we talked about last week if you were here. But what are the gifts? What if you sat here and you're like, I don't actually have any gifts. I, I don't have anything that I contribute. I've never been told that I lead anything. I've not been told that I can bring anything. Well, luckily for you, I've taken on the challenge uh, today of naming as many of the spiritual gifts in the Bible as I can and describing them to you. 
So we're going to have a graphic behind us. And uh, Johnny, if you could cue the music, I'm going to try my best to explain the spiritual gifts uh, in as short a time as possible. So stick with me. Tune in. Music, please. So, apostle at the bottom there. Apostle. The apostles are people that are messengers. They're sent forth with orders. They're the leaders of the church. They direct people. They send people off out where. Prophet. The office of the prophet is to equip the church for the work of service through strengthening, encouraging, and comforting people. Their corresponding gift is prophecy. That's in another box. Prophecy is reporting something that God's told you. It's foretelling destiny. It's calling out the best in people. Evangelist. They tell people about Jesus. Easy. Pastor. Pastor derives from the Greek word shepherd. This means they care for people. They look after people. They're kind. They make you cups of tea. They're compassionate. They have integrity. Teacher. Teachers are people that devote themselves to preaching, to teaching the Christian faith. When teaching is provided for in the church of God, they have a gift of helping you understand scripture and telling you what scripture means. We're getting there. Administration, also called the gift of governing. This means to steer, to be a helmsman, to help direct things, to lead us through storms. It's not just about sitting on your keyboard, typing out notes like normal administrators. It's about guiding people through something. Music louder. Discernment, the capacity to discern, distinguish, or discriminate the source of spiritual manifestation. This is a hard one. Whether it's a good spirit or an evil spirit. Often associated with prophecy. Next one, healing. The ability to supernaturally bring healing to others, whether that's physical, emotional, or spiritual. Helps. The helps gift has to do with service to the sick and the poor. Possessor of this gift has a spiritual burden and a God-given love for the needy and afflicted. Knowledge. The knowledge referred to in the Bible is our understanding of scripture and helping others understand that. Collected to teaching gift. Miracles, the performance of deeds beyond ordinary human ability by the power of the Holy Spirit. Tongues, the supernatural ability of sounding in unlearned tongues. Sounds like this. Paul seemed to distinguish between the public use of tongues, which must always be interpreted, please come and interpret that, and the private use, which is for our own spiritual strengthening as we worship God in a heavenly language. Interpreting tongues, understanding what I just said. Faith, this refers to that super special strong faith that moves mountains, that casts out demons, that stands the firm in the face of all trials and suffering. Wisdom, to apply knowledge to life in such a way as to make spiritual truths relevant and practical in proper decision-making and daily life situations. Encouragement, does what's said in the tin. Giving, those with the gift of giving share their possessions with one another. They're extraordinarily generous with time, money, and service. While all Christians should be givers, these guys go beyond that. Leadership, these gifts speak to the various leadership roles found in the church. It's not management of funds, it's not strategy planning, it's good spreadsheets, it's supernatural empowerment. Mercy, just like the gift of helps. Service, they serve a lot of ways and they're really helpful. There we go. Thank you very much. If you don't remember any of them, that's okay. Hopefully some of them will have stuck with you. Hopefully you'll have some of an idea. We'll be talking about some of these throughout today. Hopefully, yeah, some of those will stick with you. Bear in mind, keep those in the back of your head. These are going to come up on the screen later, but keep, keep in mind with them. I need to breathe more. Okay. So we know about some of these gifts. This is not an inexhaustible gift, uh, list of gifts in the Bible, a list of gifts for us today. There's more that I could fit in in my three and a half minutes there. There's more that God has for us. There's more than this. But this is, some, this is a good place to start looking at these spiritual gifts behind us. So how can we be activated in our gifts? How can we actually take what God's given us? How can we actually be uh, accepting of what he's done in us? Uh, we're going to turn to Matthew 16. It's going to be on the screen behind us. And I have a cracking example of gift activation in the Bible as modeled to us by Jesus and his apprenticeship of the uh, apostles, the early disciples who followed him. So Matthew 16, verses 13 to 19, it'll be behind me, and I'll read it out now. So when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. 
Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What a passage. So the first thing to pick up here, on this rock I will build my church. Jesus connects Peter to the rock uh, in showing Peter's importance as a fundamental part of the early church, but Peter is not the rock here. So the rock in question in this passage is Peter's declaration that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Son of Man. He's the Son of the living God. So as, a, as the church, as G2 today, we are built on our confession of who Jesus is. The whole reason we're here, the whole reason we're gathered here to help people discover and follow Jesus. Our faith is centered on the profession of who Jesus is, of telling people that he rose, that he, that he died, that he rose, and he lived. Blah, blah. He got resurrected. It's cool. Um, can't speak that out. There we go. So this is, a, this is a crucial part for us to, to grasp today, that this is through his strength, it's through his power. It's not through Peter being some super gifted guy. It's through his profession of who Jesus is and his understanding of Jesus' mandate and mission as the Messiah, the one who's come to save and restore humanity. So Peter's name uh, in the original text is Cephas, which actually does mean rock. So Peter is a rock. He is an important leader. Apparently, some uh, scholars believe that his translation of rock actually means pebble. So maybe that was like someone taking a little bit of a mick and saying, you're not the big rock, you're just a little pebble. But Peter's an important guy in the Bible. Uh, he's uh, the, early lead, the early church in the first half of the book of Acts. Uh, Peter's a key spokesperson. He, he's sent out to Samaria. He plants churches. He preaches. Uh, but he's not, he's not the key guy. He's not the main guy. So let's not get distracted here by Peter. Let's remember what the, uh, what the apostles, what the early church were built on, built on their profession of Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God. So on this rock, I will build my church I'll build my church, my ecclesia, the original word, which means a called out people. So it's a people as a church who are called out to God and called out for God. So we gather here and we worship God uh, because we belong to him, but we're also sent out from that. We're sent out to tell people about him. So we don't exist as a church uh, for ourselves, to make ourselves feel good, to have a happy holy club and clap each other in the back. We exist for that, of course, pastors, but we also exist to, sp to speak the good news to the world around us, to tell our mates about Jesus, to preach the life-transforming message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This church, uh, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So the gates of Hades, uh, gates in uh, cities are, co are correlated with um, security and power. So this is like Satan bringing his A-game, bringing his strongest, bringing his biggest attack, his, all his security, all his strength, all his power. And uh, what Jesus is saying to Peter here is that if you continue to profess who I am, if you continue to tell people the power of uh, what it means that I'm resurrected, that it means that I'm the Messiah, the gates of hell won't prevail against you. So just stick to that church and you'll be all right. So that's what we're going to stick to as well. Work for them, work for us. And then verse 19 the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Uh, Jesus speaks singularly in, this, in, the, in the tense here to, to Peter. So he's saying, Peter, you have the keys to the kingdom of heaven. He's not saying everyone here. At first he's saying Peter. Later in, in Matthew, in Matthew 18, he gives it to all the disciples, all the followers of Jesus, all, the, all of the ecclesia, the called out people, the community of God. So we all have these keys to the kingdom of heaven. What are they, you ask? Let me tell you. So the keys to the kingdom of heaven uh, gives people the authority to admit entrance into the kingdom of God through the preaching of the gospel, through this proclamation of who Jesus is, through holding on to the rock. We have these keys to let people in, if that makes sense. Uh, interestingly, Jesus challenged the religious leaders uh, of his time uh, as people being people that shut the door. So they had the keys, but they shut the door on others from getting in because they didn't preach a full gospel. They didn't uh, 
give people opportunity to hear about him. So they were literally shutting the door on people's face from freedom and from the fullness that Jesus brings. Uh, these keys, uh, giving Peter these keys is kind of like his, his gift activation moment. He's being told, you have authority to do this now, Peter. You can bring people into this kingdom. You can bring them into healing. You can bring them into fullness. You can bring them into restoration. You can bring them into life and freedom because you've got these keys, because you've got this authority. And that's the same for us today. This binding and loosing of things in heaven is a delegated authority of Jesus to all of us to, to, to govern the church and to live like this in the world, to, to see uh, his instruction played out through the transformation of our society. Uh, he re- re- reiterates this instruction uh, in the famous Great Commission in Matthew 28, 19. Uh, Jesus says, all authority I've given to you, uh, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. He's like, I've given you this authority. You remember that bit where I gave you those keys. Now go and do something about it. Go and tell people about me. And it's this great uh, gift activation that then leads, it leads to a commissioning that we see uh, Peter activate and the disciples activate in their gifts uh, to move, mobilize themselves into action to preach the gospel. So today we're talking about gift activation but it's all well and good telling you how good you are and what you've got. But then you've got to be commissioned. You've got to be sent out to go somewhere. Remember that. That's important. Cool. So as a church, our mission uh, is not just to tell people how to live their lives. It's not to uh, give you an A to Z of behavior. It's not some, the Bible isn't basic, basic instructions before leaving earth. It's more than just that. It's about empowering people and, uh, into the fullness of who they are, into the fullness of what God intended them to be before this world messed them up, before things went against them, before suffering and, and, and sickness and, and hatred came into this world. Our mission isn't a new philosophy. It's not espousing a new morality. It's delivering people from uh, the attack of enemy. It's delivering people from the oppression they find, them in, find themselves in, from the hurt they find themselves in, from the isolation, the loneliness, the depression, the oppression that this world has. That is our mandate in having the keys to the kingdom, in being activated in our gifts, that we will bring freedom to these people. We will bring restoration and life and fullness to people and lead people into repentance and faith, healing and freedom, life and fullness. And this requires the Holy Spirit's anointing. This requires this gift activation because we're not doing it for our own strength. We're not doing it on our own ability. Peter's not doing it as a little pebble. He's doing it as he stood on the rock of Jesus, as he stood proclaiming how good Jesus is and how much he loves the world around him. So this keys to a kingdom, this is our authority. As all believers, with all the gifts that we have, all the things that God places in us, that list that we saw there, we take that to preach the gospel, to preach restoration, to preach fullness, to preach transformation uh, to the world around us, to model what it looks like to, to, to love people in spite of all what's going on in them. So you might be at this point, you might be thinking, I've not got any gifts. I know you listed all that stuff, but it was a bit jargony, it's a bit christian easy. I don't understand that. I can, I've not got anything to bring. I want to just acknowledge that because probably some of you are sat there thinking that and say that's totally okay to think that at the moment. That's totally okay to have that view of yourself um, and to see that in you. And maybe you've never been told you have gifts. Maybe you've never been told you've got something to contribute. Uh, You do. Your Father in Heaven chose you for this mission. He chose us as the church to partner with. He chose us to be his ecclesia, his called out community on a mission together. We all have something to contribute. We all have something to bring. We're not sat here as spectators. We're sat here as participators. And we're going to have time later for God to speak to us, for God to reveal more of his gifting in us and acknowledge that in ourselves and chance to pray for others and pray for those around us to call out the gifting in people. Um, I work, as uh, Sarah said earlier, as student leader here at G2. So I spent the last two years and three months working with students, uh, organizing student activities, starting student small groups, planning different events, all that sort of stuff. Absolute dream of a job. And a large part of my job is actually telling people, you are a leader. You can lead something, like you can bring something, like 
uh, as a church, one of our key values at G2 is raising up new leaders. Uh, so I don't want students to come to me and say, what are you going to do now? I want them to, uh, I'll turn back and say, what are you going to do? What are you going to bring? What can you carry? What can you contribute? What are you bringing to the table? And that's a key part of our church that we do this. We name people as leaders and we say, look, we'll back you. We're with you. We want to train you. We want to apprentice you. We want to see you go further than we ever went in our time as students. That's a key value as us as a church. And I wonder... Um, Give me a little share of hands if you've been here a bit longer. Uh, if this was the first church or one of the first places that you were told you were a leader, who's just give me a little wave. There we go. So everyone's a little bit shy. Maybe let's do this if it was you. There we go. It's okay. Great. So that's actually a fair few people in this room that uh, this is a part of who we are as due to. This is part of our DNA. This is why we're talking about this today because we want to be people that call out gifts in, in each other. We want to be people that say to people who may have been Christians for three months that they've got something to bring, that they've got something to contribute and something to give to this church and the world around us. And thankfully, uh, beautifully, the pressure is totally off us. We have a high responsibility to bring these uh, gifts that we have, to, to carry the keys of the kingdom of heaven, to bring freedom and fullness and restoration to people. But the pressure's off us. We've got responsibility, but we haven't got pressure. Uh, 2 Corinthians uh, 3, 4 to 6, on the screen behind us, is from the Passion Translation of the Bible. Uh, we carry this confidence in our hearts because of our union with Christ before God. Yet we don't see ourselves as capable enough to do anything in our own strength, for our true competence flows from God's empowering presence. He alone makes us adequate ministers who are focused on an entirely new covenant. Our ministry is not based on the letter of the law, but through the power of the Spirit, the Spirit that pours out life. The pressure is off us because our gift activation, all that stuff that we carry, all those things that we're talking about there, we get that through the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit, the power and presence of God, the comforter uh, himself. He's the one that empowers us. He's the one that enables us to do this. Not for our own strength or ability or striving. The pressure's not on you. You've got responsibility, but the pressure's not on you. We are vessels of the Holy Spirit, letting him work for us and empower us in this way. Uh, Rick Warren, uh, who's a famous American church pastor and, and, and writer, has a quote which is about, uh, your spiritual gifts are not given for your own benefit but for the benefit of others, just as other people were given gifts for your benefit. So the gifts that, we, the gifts that I have are meant for, for you guys to help encourage a user church. Hopefully I've got a gift of teaching and preaching, otherwise I wouldn't have this microphone. But other people will have other gifts that I'll benefit from, and et cetera, et cetera, vice versa, vice versa. And it changes how the world looks as well. If we're all bringing our gifts, if we're all contributing, playing different parts, encouraging what each other brings, that's how we see this, uh, this vision that God has for this world come to fruition. So do you get it? Does that make sense? That reciprocal process of gift activating, of me bringing something, you bringing something, me naming it in you, you calling it out on me, encouraging me, and then sending each other out. Hopefully that makes sense. Hopefully we're getting it uh, as we get there. Uh, and just imagine for a second if you were activated in the gift, say, of encouragement and what it looked like if you walked into your flat uh, kitchen tonight and encouraged the... the um, I can say the crap out of everyone, and encourage the hell out of everyone. If you literally encouraged them in all that they had and all the goodness that they had and said to them, this is what you're about. If you went in there and you prophesied of them, you spoke of their future destiny in God, you spoke of their calling, their identity in God, if you preached to them about how good Jesus is, what would that look like in your house? What would that look like in your workplace? What would it look like that in your coffee room at work this week? In the library, wherever you're spending your time, wherever you are this week, what would it look like if you could imagine yourself, those gifts activated, commissions sent out from here? You would see transformation through the power of the Holy Spirit. You would see lives change. You would see people literally change who they are. So you've got to do something about it. There's not a pressure, but there is a responsibility to, op to uh, partner with the Holy Spirit, to operate with these uh, gifts that he's given us, in his power that he's given us. 
to bring the kingdom, to use those keys. Your gifts aren't for you to fill a need on a rota. One of my absolute pet hates and bugbears as student leader is when people see students as uh, there to fill a rota or very flexible because they've got time. That's not how it works at all. You've got gifts that are here to build something, that are here to contribute something, that go beyond yourself. They're here to build the kingdom. They're here to bless other people. They're here to bring dignity to the needy. If you think of our, uh, we have a midweek hub, a small group called Roof, who once a week head out onto the streets of York and pray for and feed food to the homeless. What they're doing there is modeling beautifully that gift of helps and gift of mercy we saw there. They're showing dignity to people. They're showing value to people. And that's what we as a church get to do. We're not here to just plug holes and fill gaps. We're here to literally bring transformation to people's lives uh, through Holy Spirit, through his activation of our gifts. Our gifts are for now. Our gifts are for this moment, not for when we get it perfect and all sorted in 2000 and never. They're for now, for us to crack on with. Peter's example was brilliant to us. Peter was totally messed up. If you read throughout the Bible, you see Peter slice off a guy's ear. You see him deny Jesus. You see him fear foreigners. He hasn't got an education. He hasn't got a hope. He's a hothead. He's an absolute nutter. But he was called by Jesus, and he was activated in his gifts and commissioned out to do something. And you know what? He did it. He fulfilled the destiny and the call on his life that Jesus gave him to preach the, the message of the kingdom. In Acts 2, we read of him being the first person to preach the message of the kingdom to the church in Jerusalem. In Acts 8, he's the first person to preach the message of uh, the kingdom in Samaria, the Samaritans. And in Acts 10, uh, he's the first person to preach the message of the kingdom to the Gentiles. Peter fulfills his call on his life, not because of his own ability, because by himself he would have been slicing off ears and denying people and fearing foreigners. And that sounds a bit trumpy. But with the power of the Holy Spirit at work within him, with this anointing in him, he saw this stuff change. He saw his life calling fulfilled because he was in tune with Jesus. He was in tune with the power of the Holy Spirit to activate his gifts, to commission him in, into all that he had to do. It's not all about us. It's not all about what we carry. It's about the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us. It's about how good God is. No one sits at the Grand Canyon and thinks how amazing they are, do they? You look out at the beautiful Nan before you. You look out at this amazing, deep, deep rock formations, and you think, wow, that's incredible. Some of you might think about God. I guarantee you won't think about how good you are when you're in the Grand Canyon. And you've got to recognize, church, you've got to recognize, G2, that this, there's not a pressure on us. There's not, there's not this pressure that we have to sort it out by ourselves, because we can't. We've got to remember how good God is in this and how his empowering presence is what drives us, how his empowering presence is what enables us to bring transformation, what enables us to use our gifts, to use our keys to the kingdom, to unlock things in people's lives, to bring healing, to bring fullness. We get to do it together. We get to do it as an ecclesia, a called out, a sent out community, which is a lot of fun, actually, to do it together, not plugging away by yourself. Um, and we're serving an all-powerful, all-loving, majestic beyond description and gracious beyond our comprehension of God. And it's him that, serve, that we serve. It's him that empowers us, that releases us. And as a church today, uh, we're given the keys and the gifts as a green light to go, as a green light to be sent out there into the world, to bring healing, to bring life, to bring transformation. And G2 is a place to, to build you up, to raise you up, to, to help you practice some of these gifts, to support you in all that you're doing. Uh, but it's a place where ultimately you'll be sent out to where you spend the other 166 hours of your week because you're not with this community all the time. So we want to be a place that empowers you, that sees you filled with the Holy Spirit and then send it out there. So uh, if you could put the picture of those um, spiritual gifts up on the screen again, that would be great. And I want you just to have a look at some of these and maybe just remember some of the... Uh, descriptions that I read out earlier, and um, remember some of the other things that, that maybe has stuck out with you in this talk about what God has placed within you, what gifts God has placed within you. Because uh, what we're going to do now is we're going to have our time of commissioning, we're going to have our time of praying, we're going to have our time of listening to God and waiting on God. So 
have a read over this, this list. Have a re- remind yourself of some of these things and think about uh, what would it look like for you to carry the keys of the kingdom, for you to bring transformation into, into the places that you're in.